Welcome to the Companion Chapel. My name is Mike, coming to you from the Great Lakes area of beautiful Ontario, Canada, on this gorgeous Monday, March 29th, day 221, the book of Hebrews today, Hebrews chapter 8 and 9. This is divine inspiration penned by the Apostle Paul himself, not only for believers, but also aimed at people with wavering faith. Please first consider your part in the many-member body of Christ. Participate in glorifying, magnifying, and broadcasting God's saving word. My part is creating this Bible teaching media. Your call to action consists of supporting post-media solutions by way of your time or money contributions. God's word being taught cover to cover, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, requires advertising and a functioning website suitable for search and social audience. Whatever God-given talent you have, God expects you to use it in the many-membered body of Christ. God's blessings will abound on you and yours. Give it up for God at companionchapel.com, Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, or e-transfer to email address companionchapel at gmail.com. Your gift of as little as $10 a month or 30 cents a day enables me to bring you a Bible teaching podcast a day, every day. You are encouraged to send your biblical questions or prayer requests to email address companionchapel at gmail.com or come by for a Bible study to number 338 side road 28 slash 29 paisley ontario canada call or text here 509-706-8876 now turn with me in your bibles please to hebrews chapter 8 and verse 1 now of the things which we have spoken of this is the sum so paul is going to sum it up and always remember this is one continuous letter it's mankind that has put the verses and chapters in here so we're just carrying on with the subject and and we're going to get a summary here We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. A minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. Because Jesus Christ built the eternal temple. Jesus Christ set up the kingdom of heaven that will not accommodate evil. Mankind didn't set that up. And that's what we're talking about here. The true temple, the heavenly temple waiting for us. That's your inheritance, your spot there. Three, for every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices, wherefore it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. And upon repentance, and repentance from the heart, he offers you eternal life in a place of peace beyond our present comprehension, a place of safety, a place of completeness, and and that's called the kingdom of heaven. On the other side of the gulf, which we learn about in Lazarus and the rich man, Luke chapter 16, it's a place of hell. And that's for a thousand year period, a millennium year period, until great white throne judgment. Verse 4, For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law. He wouldn't just be your everyday priest, dude. Jesus Christ was the only one that could offer eternal salvation. He is our Savior, our salvation. Verse 5, who, sh- who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed thee in the mount. So, God uh, told Moses to set things up, um, like set up a tabernacle. And you can read about this in Numbers chapter 19, the way God wanted a church to be set up. And it was for an example to us. 
Okay, there was a holy place and a holier than holy place behind the veil. And we're going to read about that in uh, coming up in this very chapter, actually, or in the next chapter. Verse 6, But now he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. Who is that fault about the first covenant? Mankind was. Mankind would not obey. God set it up and he says, okay, you bring your offerings to the temple and it goes to a priest and then it goes to the high priest and then that's a forgiveness of sins. But what happened was it wasn't from the heart. It just turned into lip service. It just turned into a routine. It turned into a kind of repentance that I better do this just in case. Instead of a kind of repentance, that means from the heart, I really don't want to be a sinner anymore. I want, to, I want to pay homage, and now we have uh, pay homage to Christ, but now we have better promises, eternal life for, upon uh, repentance. And now we're going to read um, uh, verse 8, and we're starting here to, to verse 12. This is Jeremiah 31, 31, and uh, Paul has it written here in the book of Hebrews. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. They were disobedient. The covenant God made was, it was a good covenant, but man would not obey. So the covenant was broken. God didn't break it. But God had a plan of salvation anyways, and it's like God knew that these people were going to do this. Christ uh, Christ's new covenant brings us closer to God anyway. It's a better covenant. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, after this earth age, after the flesh age, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And this happens in the millennium period. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least to the greatest. For I'll be merciful to their, uh, to their iniquities or unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now, we can have this as a type. We can have this put this in place now on an individual basis. But every brother saying to his brother, Know the Lord, that's not going to happen until the millennium period. Every knee shall bow. Every, and God will put in their in their hearts and in their minds, okay, I'm the God. Now, do you want to accept me or not accept me? Because you can sit over there on the hell side for a thousand years, or you can be in the heaven side where it's a great time of teaching. I'll be merciful unto their unrighteousness. Yeah, those that repent and their sins and their iniquities are remember no more. God puts those behind us when we repent. If we keep those sins alive and keep perpetuating them and keep allowing sin to penetrate us and, uh, like I said, keep it alive, then, no, you, you're not allowed on the, in the heaven side. You're, you're going to sit on the hell side and you're going to beat yourself up with those sins continually. And this is, that's a great promise from God there written in Jeremiah chapter 31, 31. 13. In that, he saith, a new covenant. He hath made the old first, or the first old, 
now which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. And this is an analogy of, we're talking, remember we started here talking about the carnal temple, the temple that we see uh, written in the Bible here, and the temples that we see all over the place. There's churches all over the place. They vanish. But Christ's temple lives forever. That's the new covenant, and that's the great promise made to us. Now, carrying on with verse 9, or chapter 9, verse 1, Then verily, the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. Okay, so it was on, on earth, and it had all these, um, had all these uh, rituals and, and things that we we're supposed to do and rules, and God wanted to watch us do these things with the high priests and the priests for obedience. Because God wants to see who's going to obey him. God has rules. There's a hierarchy, and God's up in charge, and you have to accept that to submit with unquestioning obedience. But they broke the first covenant, and they didn't submit with unquestioning obedience, and it just turned to troubles and wars and rumors of wars and deceptions. Okay, so let's just go through what the, what the first temple was. And you can read about this in Numbers chapter 19. For there was a tabernacle made, the first, wherein there was a candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary, the front part of the temple. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein the golden pot had manna and Aaron's rod that budded in the table of the covenant, and over it cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot speak particularly. It's, it's, almost, it's almost impossible to describe, and God took it back anyways, because that covenant was over. He, he had a new plan with a new covenant. Remember in Hosea 6.6, 6, all your burnt offerings and all your lip service, it, it, it doesn't, I don't want it. I want your love. That's all I want. Your free will love. And that's all it takes. God will only accept free will love. He's not going to go around and try and be like a thug and say, here, love me, love me. It's free will love only. You either love the ways of the world, like money and, and the things money can buy, or, or you, or you serve, uh, serve the Lord and realize that the true riches are in heaven waiting for you. Okay, talking about the second veil here. Do you remember in uh, Matthew chapter 27, as soon as Christ gave up the ghost, he opened that second veil. Before it was only the priest could go in there, the high priest. And he would uh, ask for forgiveness for the sins. But that's over now. That covenant is dead now. The new covenant, Christ ripped that veil from top to bottom. So people can't say, oh, mankind ripped it. Uh, two priests went in there and ripped it from bottom to top. He ripped it from top to bottom. And that allows us now to get closer to the Lord. Christ is the new covenant, and it brings us closer to our Father upon repentance. Now, there's a natural order of things that God lays down in Revelation chapter 1. It's God to His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the messengers, the angels, and then to uh, uh, people who are um, like, uh, like prophets, disciples, apostles, and we're supposed to spread the word to the whole whole world. We're supposed we're supposed to be the husbandmen and spread the seeds of truth around the world. That's the hierarchy, and that's the way natural order of things. That's the way God has it, and that has to be like that. You can't just make it up or say you don't like it. Well, then, you know, if you want to make up your own road to salvation, it's it's not going to work. You're going to be dragged up in that big rake that death or death drags around on that pale horse in Revelation chapter six. Drags around the big rake of hell. You can get raked right up in the ways and things of the world, and you'll never find inner peace. You'll never find happiness, true happiness. 
You can kid yourself all you want. But you're always going to have the, the nagging anxieties, worries, and fears. You know, a lot of people are so selfish that they only think about themselves. So they can sit there and say they're happy. But how can you sit there and be happy when you know there's people around your, around the world, your brothers and sisters, or even children working in forced labor, labor exploitation, and just their human rights being infringed on constantly, just their human dignity is being infringed on. A lot of people with money will just sit there and think, oh, it's all good. It's good. I'm good. Yeah. Well, what about the rest of the people? What about the rest of your brothers and sisters? God gave you an opportunity to make that money. Who he gives much, he expects much in return. Those things will never love you back that are all around you anyway. The only thing that will love you back is the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's a great new covenant now. And that's what we're living now. And a lot of people call it the Old Testament, New Testament. It's just part one and part two of the Bible. Mankind made that word up. Old Testament, New Testament. But I can see where he gets it. I can see where mankind gets it. It's from here. A new covenant. Okay, that's, that just means New Testament. I'm going to tell you how the road to salvation works now. Because it didn't work back then. Mankind did not live up to his obligations for the contract God made. They just made a just made a, a mockery of it. Abominations came into the church, just like they do today. So verse 6, Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priests went also into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. This is the way it was. This was Aaron and his sons. That's how it started with Moses and Moses' brother Aaron. And this was, uh, like I said, Numbers chapter 19 will help you out. And this was the rituals. This was the ordinances. Now, all these things are... are we're nailed to the cross with Christ. It's all about the blood of Christ now. You glory the cross and you understand that these priests and everybody that was involved in coming up and making the church happen back then, they all compromised with evil. They all sinned. Everybody sins. But Jesus Christ did not sin. No sin penetrated our Lord Jesus Christ. He did not compromise with sin. He will not negotiate with sin. He will not make concessions for you and your sins. He will forgive them and you put them behind you. It's over. Don't bring them back up in front of him because what you're saying to Christ when you bring a sin back in up in front of Christ or when you don't forgive somebody is that Christ wasn't strong enough to forgive sin. Well, he was strong enough. He was the only one worthy. And he did it. And in doing so, he defeated death because he has power over it. He has power over sin. None of us do. Except through Jesus Christ. Okay, so back into uh, how it used to be before Jesus Christ. But in the second went the high priest that's behind the veil that Christ ripped from top to bottom, alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. The Holy Spirit, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet still standing. Okay, that was because that was, this was a type of things to come. It was an example for us. Okay. Um, the Old Covenant was still in place, which was a figure or a type for the time then present, in which we offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect or complete as pertaining to the conscience. Because pertaining to the conscience, God wants your love. And that comes from the heart. That comes from your conscience. That comes from your train of thought. That comes from your thoughts and intents and your actions. Whereas if you could go and have your sins forgiven back then, and it just turned into uh, a routine. It just turned into lip service. It just turned into, okay, we're good now. But it wasn't from the heart. 
So when you get down on the floor and you say your prayers and you mean it, you repent from the heart, then that makes you complete for that little time being. You just continually understand that you're a sinner and we're all sinners. But Jesus Christ did not sin and he's the only one that can help us come to a place of completeness, a place of peace beyond our present comprehension because we're going to die in these flesh bodies. There's no use being afraid of dying when you know it's guaranteed, 100%. And you're going to go somewhere, you know it. The spirit is the intellect of your soul, and you're judged on your spirit, your thoughts, your intents, your, your actions, your reactive attitude that motivates your actions. But back then, they could just bring an animal up to the priest and say, hey man, forgive me, and, and it, okay, it's done. And it, didn't, it wasn't from the heart, it wasn't from the conscience. 10, which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. Now, Jesus Christ came and reformed all that. He changed it. It was a new order. There's a new order now in place, a natural order of things. And Jesus Christ knows your thoughts and intents in real time. There is nothing hid that shall not be revealed. Okay, so all those rituals and things that they used to do, a lot of different religions have a lot of rituals and, you know, they don't mean anything. They're just obedience to uh, what God was asking us to do before. But again, it has to come from the heart. But Christ being, being come a high priest, as Melchizedek, of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. No, he built it in his spiritual body. He went out there, and there's a place of peace beyond our present comprehension, the kingdom of heaven, awaiting for us. And we have work to do there. We have work to do now, and that's what this book of Hebrews is about. There was three solid chapters about get to work today, today, now. What are you waiting for? Put down that remote control. Put down your phone. Like, let's get to work. Serve the Lord now. Because this time is so short. You're going to die and fate won't negotiate. No matter how big of a star you think you are, death will come at the most inconvenient time for you, for all of us. So make sure you're ready. You're going to meet your maker. He's going to say, well, uh, yeah, I started here in the scripture and then I just had to watch the rest of my Netflix series. Or I had to get on Facebook because those two-minute little little uh, news clips, of uh, they're just like little shots of dopamine. I couldn't get over it. Well, Jesus Christ taught us how to say no to ourselves. Don't get ambushed, as was written in the book of Isaiah. Just, get, just sit there and get ambushed by the ways and things of the world. Things... Vanity of vanities, all is vanity, vexation of spirit, anxieties, worries, uncertainties. I turn on the radio here, up up here at the Capadia Chapel, and uh, I just have a little battery-operated radio because I don't have any electricity or running water. And it's just, uh, the second I turn it on, it, it just talks about the same thing all the time. Another analyst, another speculator, somebody else, COVID-19. Yeah, COVID-19 is a, is a terrible sickness. There's no doubt about it. Like it's way worse than catching a cold. It's way worse than catching an influenza or some kind of disease. So put a mask on and wash your hands. But know that Jesus Christ told us the great deception that comes right onto your telephone, right onto all your news feeds, wherever you get your information from. Then he said there was going to be wars and rumors of wars. That's troubles right from your kitchen table all the way to the world stage. It's happening right now all around us. That's the second seal. The third seal, famine in the end times. Well, 
the, the third seal is about uh, the black horse, famine. It's about the economy, the way it controls us, the way it causes famines of truth, famines of, of certainty. There's no certainty in the world outside of God's Word. It's the only truth that's, that's out there. It's one simple book. You'll never feel anxiety or worry or fear again once you get the Word of God into you, a working knowledge of the Bible. And it's enjoyable to read. It's enjoyable to watch what's going on around the world. It's bittersweet, as it's written in the book of Revelation. It's bitter knowing that people are just kicking against the pricks and, 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 tr and perpetuating all the ways and things of the, of the world that are just pure evil. Money, pol political systems, the global media just lies to us and socially engineers us with no, no consequences whatsoever. And that's what's being said. That that's the building that man has made. Made this tabernacle on earth, the planet earth. Jesus Christ, I made you a better world. And it's going to be on earth because God's going to come cleanse the earth. Cleanse it spiritually and, and physically, tangibly. Like we've turned this beautiful planet into a chemical toilet. And it's going to get cleansed. Because God said, I so loved the world, I gave my only begotten son. He loves the planet. It's the only self-sustaining uh, planet in the in the solar system, it's a jewel of the universe. In Genesis chapter 1, when it says God created, the very first verse, the creation story is in the first verse. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Created in spectacular. Created it spectacular with order and beauty. The jewel of the universe. He loves this place. Going to verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves... But by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. He rent that veil, ripped that veil from top to bottom, one time, and that's it. You can't go back and, and offer sacrifices to the Lord, except your repentance and your love. Nothing of any money value can you offer to the Lord. He owns all things, and none of this stuff means anything to him anyway. You know, it's Jesus Christ's ministry. He didn't go around collecting money. He didn't go around having revivals or telethons. He didn't collect a dime. He could care less. He flipped them. He flipped the tables of the money changers. The coins would have been everywhere. And he wasn't saying to his disciples, hey, pick up, grab this money. Let's book it out of here. He walked right over at no value. And what did he do? He went to what has value. He grabbed the Bible, went behind the pulpit after he finished telling the clergy there, you're of the father, you're devil. And he taught the Bible. And people sat around and listened to him. That's what he's teaching us. That's what the temple is. That's what the new complete uh, reformation is. It's in our Lord Jesus Christ. Not in these uh, um, uh, these ordinances and these old blood ordinances. They're over. Jesus Christ's blood was for one in all times. Period. For if the blood of bulls and the blood of goats and the ashes of the heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to purify of the flesh, how so much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. There's not much more I can say about that. You want to compare blood, uh, the Christ of our Lord Jesus Christ? The blood of, the, the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, once it, once it was shed, that blood covenant is cemented in. And that's all there is to it. He defeated death. He defeated evil. And Satan's standing there, you know, scratching his head going, wow, man, I really gave you to this guy. I offered him everything in the ways and things of the world. But he said no, because he won't compromise with you, Satan. So you shouldn't compromise with Satan either. And that's what we do when we sin, is we're not honoring the blood of Christ. We have to glory the cross because it's the strongest 
symbol. It's the most powerful symbol on planet Earth. That's why you see it all over the place. You see a cross in your eyesight once a day easily. On a church, someone's wearing one around as a necklace. Or maybe you'll see, who knows where you'll see a cross, but you'll see one. And understand that that's the most powerful symbol on planet Earth. It will not compromise with the ways and things of the world. If everybody honored the cross, there would be no evil in the world. All the evil in the world comes from the human heart. All the evil in the world is instigated by the great instigator, the great treasure of the world, Satan himself. The great instigator of evil. He perpetuates it into our minds, and then once, it's, once it penetrates our minds, it just starts playing a snare drum in your head. And off you go. You have to repent and mean it. And ask for the love of Christ in your heart. Ask the Holy Spirit to dwell within you. Ask for the seal of God in your forehead. Ask for wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, strength. In the Lord Jesus Christ's perfect name. And always remember, Luke chapter 10. God gave his power over the devil. God gave his power over the evil spirits that are written of. This is what we're fighting against. Let's just refer to... Uh, let's see here. Okay, we'll go to, we could go to John 14, 30, John 16, 11, but let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, 12. This is our problem today. This is our fight. For we wrestle, we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Satan is the prince of the air. God allows it. The error means all-encompassing of life. So don't, uh, you know, purge your conscience from dead works and serve the living God. 15. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for redemption of the transgression, under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Okay, so the, the first covenant was more about inheritance of the land. And the second covenant is inheritance of everything, including yourself into the heavenly, into the, into the heavens that uh, Jesus Christ has set out for us. That verse is kind of, uh, Jesus Christ is the mediator. And always remember that's one of his sacred names. He's the mediator to Father. There's an order of things. You have to honor the Son. You can't just say, I don't believe in Jesus. I'm just going to pray to God. Well, then you're left out because you, you don't have a mediator to, to speak to your Father, your Heavenly Father. 16. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the tester. And that's our Lord Jesus Christ. For a, for a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it, have, it is of no strength all the while the tester liveth. And that's just the way it is. It's Christ's will and testament. Like, f forget about all the carnal stuff, all the church stuff. The veil. He's the tester. He was tested for us. And he was tested beyond our comprehension. Forty days, forty nights in the desert, the devil took him up to the top, highest place, and said, look, man, we can play with this whole world. Look at these minions. They don't even, they sin constantly. Look at them going at each other. They're selfish. They have greed and gluttony. They think money's going to buy them happiness. They think they can buy their way into heaven. They think they're their own gods. Let's just play with these people, Jesus Christ. Play a big game of risk. Start wars and watch all the things they come up with to blow each other up. Look, they're even going to make nuclear weapons and just 
aim them at each other. Watch this. They're, they're going to set one off. They're going to set a few atomic bombs off. Watch what that does. Like Satan's having fun with it. He doesn't care. But Jesus Christ said, no, I love these people. And, and by, he was tested. And when his blood spilt, that's it. The covenant was cemented in. It's dedicated. It's dedicated with blood. Okay? For the, when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. But they didn't obey that covenant, so too bad. And then Jesus Christ came, and Jesus Christ's blood is sufficient. Uh, anything else is, is an insult. You can't, you can't insult God. You have to glory the cross. He got railroad spikes pounded right into his hands and feet. And there was no guile, no malice, no corruption was found in him. He was blameless. He did not sin. He was not tempted by sin. He set up a place of peace. He knows we're going to go into the eternity in our spiritual bodies. And it's up to you if you want that. And you can have that peace start to flow into your heart even right now. Today, as it's written in the book of Hebrews that we're reading now. Today, what are you waiting for? It's in the book of uh, Psalms. Today. Like, give it up for God today. Help, help glorify and magnify God's word and you'll feel the blessings come into you. And you do it from the heart. You do it because you want to. It's not, he doesn't want anybody grudgingly serving him. Oh, I just have to do this just in case. I don't want to end up in hell. I just have to do this. No, you want to do it because you love him. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood uh, both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. Well, this is what uh, this is what they did back then. But Christ became this. All blood sacrifices. This is all part of the law that doesn't stand anymore. We don't do this stuff anymore. If we do this stuff, if we went in and we started sprinkling blood around and, and dragging a goat up into the church and saying to the priest, Hey, can you slaughter this thing and forgive me my sins? Then you're just marginalizing what Christ did. And Christ won't be marginalized. You can do that all you want, but you're going to land your butt in hell like Lazarus and the rich man in uh, Luke chapter 16. There's Lazarus sitting there hanging out with Abraham. And big shot rich man, Mr. Joe Diamond himself, is on the other side of the impassable gulf. And look, he's still full of egotism. He still thinks he's bossy guy. He still thinks he can treat other people poorly. He still thinks he's all that in a bag of chips. He goes to Abraham, tell it, get get your buddy there, Lazarus, to bring me a glass of water. Let's go, glass of water up now, pronto. Oh, you bossy, bossy person, no respect. Arrogance and aggression are the trademarks of evil, and they can't come into heaven, or it would be nothing more than a new hell. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. That's just the way it is. That's the way it's set up. That's the way covenants go. It's because blood is the life force that gives life to the covenant. And once it's spilled, that life force is honored by God. He says, hey, that's the life force. Is your blood that's inside you right now? Your spirit's traveling, or your soul's traveling around in that life force. It keeps you alive. And once Jesus Christ dropped that, his life force came out of the blood, but the blood cemented it in. This, the, the, that's the, the cement of the covenant. It cannot be broken because the life force was there. He gave it up. He did not, he did not compromise with any things and ways of the world, any evil. He did not want the things and ways of the world. And he gave us an opportunity to get out. He says, I am your Passover. 
You pass over the wantings and longings of the ways and things of the world. By I feed you with the bread of life and quench your thirst with the living waters. You will not hunger or thirst again after the ways and things of the world. Yeah, we're in a press right now as it's written in the book of Zechariah. We're pressed. It's, it's almost impossible not to have to deal with ways and things of the world. Like we have to eat and the way the world is set up now with, with food and, and uh, our food supply. It's almost impossible. You got to go to the grocery store. Like you can try living off the land, but not everybody can. So Satan's really got us in a bind. But we can join, join the binds of Christ, the bounds of Christ. We repent and we join Christ's union. We don't union with the ways of the world. We join the union of God, the union of one. And we repent. We can join that union and it's union 1000. It's the v- divine completeness of God himself. Local 1000, as I've called it before. It was therefore necessary, we're in verse 23 of chapter 9 Hebrews, it was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. So the pattern is is set up so we can understand. We get it like a snapshot. That's what pattern means here. We get like a snapshot of how things are going to go down so we're not left in the dark here okay there's a heaven and there's a hell and to get to heaven we have to honor what jesus christ did on the cross and jesus christ went around saying he was god and now jesus christ went around as our teacher our master our rabbi as our wonderful counselor he came in the volume of the book he was the word he's the living word in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, Emmanuel, God with us. And again, he was he came, he was our teacher, our master, our rabbi, he's our savior, our salvation. That's the road to salvation. He had to come in the flesh to experience what we experience, or how could he judge us unless he knew? Unless he's walked it. It's like it's like somebody nowadays who wants to be call themselves a counselor, even though that's a sacred name. Okay, I want to be Somebody wants to be a drug counselor. And so they, take, they get the course and they take the books and then they're sitting behind a desk and, and uh, a, some drug person, a, a drug addict, is sitting across the desk from them. Right? How can the drug addict even trust the counselor unless he's walked the walk? How would the, how would the counselor even know what that drug addict's going through unless he's walked it himself and, and had power over it and defeated it, defeated that demon of addiction? Well, Jesus Christ walked all these ways and he looked at it and he rejected it. He rejected all the ways and things of the world. No sin penetrated our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is our road to salvation. He knows what you're going through. She walked it. He knows the temptations. I just use drugs. He knows the temptations. He walked in the flesh. He knows, hey, a little bit of opiate plant there and I won't have a sore back. I won't have a sore arm. Well, everything in moderation. Jesus Christ knows about addiction. He knows about uh, addiction to sensual lust. He knows about addictions to money. He watched the people. He watched his children and he defeated it. He did not compromise with evil. And he sacrificed himself, saying, if you people don't want to compromise with evil, you don't want to perpetuate it, you don't want to live in hell, then you can come live over here. You just honor the cross, honor what I did, and you leave everything, you unload your camel and everything that you're carrying. 
because you can't carry it into this kingdom of heaven I set up. If you bring your stuff in, I won't allow it. But if I did allow it, it would be nothing more than a new hell. So what would be the point of Jesus Christ even doing this? What would be the point of our existence? We just die and then, and then what? In a hole in the ground? There's no point. We know there's more to this life than what we can see. And the proof that there's more to this life that we can see is by the fact that evolution would have to be true then. And if evolution was true, there would have to be an infinite array of fossils for every species at every minute stage of transition from the single cell to the species we see now. They've never found a species that has evolved into a different species. The fossils don't exist. The remains don't exist. They found science this is great, true science. Pseudoscience is another thing. That's just theories and hypotheses that they pass off as truths because they, they just want to perpetuate a lie because they want money for documentaries. They want money for uh, get their get their name published somewhere. So they come up with all these pseudoscience. Well, get out there with a shovel, uh, Mr. Scientist, and start digging up some fossils. Because your brothers, your buddies, your buddy scientists have dug up fossils from 35, 350 million years ago. 350 million to 500 million years ago. The Cambrian period. And they've proved there was different plant life and there was different animals. But there's no transitionary fossils going in and out. If you can prove a whole age from 350 million years ago then there would have to be an infinite array of fossils at every stage of transition for all species, including us, but, and, and including all the species that have come and gone. It doesn't exist. So we know by the perimeters of space and time that we are limited of our knowledge by being a human. We don't understand space and time. We can look up in the sky and you're never going to understand it. No scientist is going to try and explain that to you. Oh, I read a book about it once from, from this guy, Stephen Hawking, telling me, well, you know, the universe folds in on yourself. It folds in, and time is trying to explain all this. And oh, that's a great theory, brother. You know, and that's just that, a theory. Because I'm going to stand on the edge of the fold, and then I'm going to look over what's on the other side of this fold. Infinity. We will never felt to comprehend it in our puny little human brains, and that's all there is to it. We're limited at being human. So we know there's a God. There's no fossils. There's no remains. Just the lack of fossils and the lack of remains proves that there is a God. Proves that we showed up ready to go. About, about 7,000 years ago. And that's what history has proven. That's what's written in the Bible. And that's what science has proven. There was an ice age. How did, how did mankind last through the ice age if a super species like dinosaurs got wiped out? It's simple. It's written in the Bible. All the answers are here. It's between Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. There's like a billion year period between those two verses. The creation story is one verse. Then you get into the regeneration story in verse 2 of Genesis chapter 1. And here we go. Let's finish up Hebrews chapter 9. Nor yet that he should offer himself as a high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood. With blood of others. For then we... For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. The end of this world age, that's what the foundation means, the catabol, the overthrow, the ice age. Okay, Jesus Christ was the one-time sacrifice. 
And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this is judgment. Instantly when you die, you're with the Father. You instantly get judged. you got to go somewhere. You're not laying there in a hole in the ground. Instantly your spirit is with the Father, as it's written in many places. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Once we're born, we pass through the matrix once born innocent of woman. And it's just to make up our minds what we want to do. Remember what I read? I read the book of uh, when I when I read the book of uh, Ephesians chapter six. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Satan is the prince of the air. All his demons, devils, evil spirits are all around us at all times unless we rebuke them and ask for the veil of Christ and hedge of God to be around us. And they'll just play a snare drum in your head. They'll get you going, thinking that there's, well, reincarnation. They'll tell you what you want to hear. Oh, you got an uncle who has a name that nobody really knows, so you sit with a medium. Oh, yeah, that Ouija board moves. Oh, that demon will play, play games with you. He'll tell you what you want to hear. They're in the spiritual body. They're higher than us. They're weak, but we're weak too. So if you put, if you give your will over to that darkness, oh, they're, they're going to tell you what you want to hear. They're going to mess with your mind, and you'll find in the end, or as it goes along, it's, it's evil. You'll feel it. I've watched a Ouija board move, and it's evil. It's proof. There's a spiritual world. Uh, verse 28 you're once to die you go through this age once and it's all about judgment so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation yeah when we look up at him uh, once we are judged because we'll meet our maker we're going to meet him he offered to bear the sins that means okay I have power over sin. Come to me and I'll forgive you of your sins because only he has power over sin because sin never penetrated him. Sin never got into him. Sin didn't tempt him. He knows there's something much better than the ways and things of the world and you damn well, you damn well know there is. The, the world is just suffering. There's so much suffering and pain and troubles and conflicts. It's all egotism. It's all mankind. All evil in the world comes from the heart of mankind. And Christ is here. He came. Okay, here's a place. I've defeated death. The grave has no sting anymore. When you die, right away, it's judgment. Come and see me. Let's have a little chit-chat. And if you're carrying anything with you, then, uh, sorry, man, you're going to have to go over there. And the rod of iron is you beating yourself up, thinking, I can get into heaven. I should be able to get into heaven. You just beat yourself up to your bitter and bitter until you until the holy spirit will finally beat you down because you're going to realize none of the stuff that you're carrying has any value and it'll squash the most stubborn spirit but some are going to hold on to it to the bitter end and we pray for those people let it go man all your egotism your ways and things of the world thinking you're better than others thinking money is going to buy you happiness and and, and, and can buy you a respect and you think your money gives you virtue doesn't you can't buy any of those things with money you can't buy respect manners love you can't buy contentment you can't buy inner peace you can't buy honesty you can't buy faith salvation or grace these things are free because money is the root of all evil and our lord jesus christ would never put a money value on those things so let it go let go of the ways and things of the world you want to be true genuine 
bonafide, authentic, come up to the kingdom of heaven when you meet your maker and you get into a place that is genuine, bonafide, bonafide, authentic, legit. It is, it, it is a place that we can prosper together in, in the love of Jesus Christ. Listen, that was not just the greatest thing. That's Hebrews chapter 8 and 9. Now, if you can help with this podcast, please, or this media, please uh, get involved in Post Media Solutions. My name is Mike. This is Companion Chapel. Reach me at companionchapel at gmail.com. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Have yourself the greatest day. Bye for now.